You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, on this episode, I'm going to provide you with a recap of my most recent bicycle trip on the Great Allegheny Passage. Around the same time Hurricane Ida was heading towards the East Coast, Myself and seven friends loaded up our bicycles and made our way to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The plan was to be self-contained and ride seven days from Pittsburgh to Washington, D.C. via the Great Allegheny Passage and then the CNO towpath. We'd be staying in hotels and Airbnbs along the way. Well, we did indeed ride seven days, but the remnants of the hurricane altered our route. So here's a recap of my week. Day one, the plan was Pittsburgh to Periopolis, which was going to be about 46 miles. All of this was on the Great Allegheny Passage. And we ended up doing 50.17 miles, average speed 11.9 miles per hour, and 723 feet of elevation gain. This part of the trail followed the Uagani River. I probably said that wrong. Uagani? I'll just say Uagani. I'm not sure if it's right, but we followed that river. So within Pittsburgh, we rode to the Point State Park Fountain for photos and to see the Gap Medallion, which reads Point of Confluence, Point of Conflict, and Point of Renewal. It marks the confluence of Pittsburgh's three rivers. It's a beautiful place to visit, and I would make sure that you go. And of course, it's the start of the Great Allegheny Passage, which took us 150 miles all the way to Cumberland. Now, if you look at elevation stats, starting in Pittsburgh is definitely the way to go if you want to take advantage of the downhill you will get once you pass through the Continental Divide. So after our photos, off we went to breakfast, which was at Nadine's in Pittsburgh. And this was a super cute small bar and grill that had the best breakfast. We got the last seats at the bar and Jordan the cook worked the grill right in front of us. He was a rock star. So Nadine's was featured on diners, drive-ins, and dives a few years back. And they're also known for their famous fried bologna sandwich. I did not try it, but I will tell you the eggs and hash browns were amazing. It was a steamy but beautiful day, and once we got on the path, we stopped at various bridges and parks, um, lots of stops along the ways. There were a couple of photo-worthy waterfalls in the afternoon as well. One was in Buena Vista, I believe. So the quality of the trail was great. Crushed limestone, and really, the whole day we only saw a couple of other cyclists. We made it to a cool place in West Newton called the Trailside Pub. They had a huge outdoor deck, good food, and there was a bike shop directly underneath it. Here is where the remnants of Hurricane Ida started to catch up with us. Thunder, lightning, torrential rain, the streets were flooded, and we were stuck at the Trailside Pub much longer than expected. Eventually, the rain let up, enough to hit the trail, and we rode into Periopolis, where we had rooms set up in a... 
I, it wasn't the best hotel, but it was a place to it was a place to sleep called the Perio Inn and Suites. Getting to this hotel required an epic hill climb that I think I saw 15% grade on my computer. It was crazy steep. So that ended day one. Day two, the plan was Periopolis to Confluence, which was 40 miles. And um, so that morning, we tried to avoid going down the super steep hill on our fully loaded bikes. And this completely backfired into one heck of a adventure because the GPS took us on a path that went from pavement to gravel to dirt and then to a cliff. So needless to say, we had to backtrack and do that dang hill, but we eventually made it safely and we were back on the gap. Day two, we ended up doing 45.86 miles and we averaged 11.5 miles per hour and 1,238 feet of elevation gain. And again, we followed the Uagani River. The trail was really wet from the rain, but it was still easy to ride on. My tires are 27.5 by 2.4, and I had no problem rolling through the mud and over rocks and whatever other obstacles that we found along the way. Most of the morning was rain-free, so we did our usual shenanigans of stopping on bridges and under bridges and pretty much anything that was photo-worthy. Um, we did meet a great couple who were on a short bike ride from their RV camp, Steve and Judy from Virginia. They were in the process of changing up their plans to avoid Hurricane Ida. We probably should have done so as well. But Steve and Judy, it was great meeting you. Back on the trail, our next stop was in the cute town of Connellsville. There is a great mural that you should stop and get a photo of for sure. And from there, we went to Marlene's Corner Bar for lunch. Great service and the Bloody Marys were top notch. But something noteworthy, they do allow smoking inside and there were ashtrays everywhere. Definitely something I was not used to and I was ready for some fresh air after that stop. As we were leaving, it started raining, so most of the afternoon was pretty wet. Um, We made it to this amazing bridge just in time for the rain to stop and the sun to come out. The view was unbelievable. It was on Horseshoe Bend and called the Great Allegheny Passage Bridge just outside of Ohio Pile. We were way, way, way above the water and there was steam rising through the trees that made it look like we were right in the clouds. So beautiful. The river had twists and turns and rapids, and we spent some time watching the kayakers maneuver through. Ohio Pile was a cute town, and we hung out at a picnic area for a bit. From there, back on the trail, we found several trees down along the trail, and it took some teamwork to get our heavy bikes over the branches. Even with the rain, I still will say the quality of the trail was really, really good. And as I mentioned, the scenery as you ride is just beautiful. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. We made it to Confluence, which is where we plan to stay. And we had rented the Riverview kitchenettes, and it was just what we needed. Plenty of space to dry out all our stuff and great sheltered bike parking. We got there pretty late, so the only place open at that time was what I would call a shady bar called Dodd's. 
the lights were really dim, and once again, there were more ashtrays in there than people. But luck was on our side because we sweet-talked the owner into keeping the kitchen open, so we socialized, ate, and drank until they closed. Um, It was well after dark when another cyclist showed up. His name is JD, and he was just about done riding his bicycle all the way across the United States. This guy was amazing. He literally had the clothes on his back, some rain gear, and that was about it on his bike. And he was averaging, I think he said, over 100 miles per day. I'm hoping to talk to him for a future podcast episode, so stay tuned to hear about JD's adventure. So day three, the plan was confluence to Frostburg, which was going to be 46 miles. And we did actually do that route. We ended up doing 47.3 miles with an average speed of 11.1 miles per hour. And on this day, we did 2,385 feet of elevation gain. Uh, This route loosely followed what's called the Castleman River. So day three was full of cool tunnels, so plenty of photo ops. One memorable one was the Pinkerton Tunnel at, I think it was at about mile 52. There were some nice bridges as well. It started raining again, and we made our way to a gas station in Rockwood called the Rock City Express. It had a bar connected to it, which was not open, but they did have great outdoor seating so we could get out of the rain for a bit. It was here that we crossed paths with Art, who, at 82 years old, was wrapping up his solo ride on the Gap and heading to see a new grandbaby. He was full of epic stories, and I hope to have him on a future podcast as well. So after eating and talking to Art, we were back on the trail, and we found another high bridge to stop and ran into a couple riding on their tandem. Lisa and Mitch have basically called their bicycle home for many years, and they have traveled all over the globe on their Comotion tandem. They document their travels on a blog, and you can check it out at legsandfeet.wordpress. Late that afternoon, we made it to the Eastern Continental Divide, where, as noted, we left the Gulf of Mexico watershed and entered the Chesapeake Bay watershed. There's a map of the Gap Trail here, and it proves that the steady uphill we had been riding was going to pay off. It was all downhill from there. Another noteworthy stop was the Big Savage Tunnel, a very long tunnel, like 3,300 feet long, that was completed way back in 1912. You'll definitely want your headlights as you pass through. From here, our next stop was the Mason-Dixon line. A lot of history is documented here, so take a bit of time to check it all out. Here is where we said goodbye to Pennsylvania and hello to Maryland. The next tunnel was the Borden Tunnel, and from there we made it into Frostburg. To get into the town of Frostburg, you have two choices. You ride up a steep trail with a bunch of switchbacks, Or you ride the road, which is even steeper. Crazy steep. But once at the top, we found such a cute town. Our first stop in the town of Frostburg was the Shogun, where we ate our weight in sushi. 
gosh, it was so good. We stayed in Frostburg at a place called Wesley's Playhouse. This is an awesome house we rented that boasted eight beds, two full bathrooms, and a washer and dryer. It was kind of like being in a dorm room, and they had great amenities like cereal, snacks, and even some food in the fridge for breakfast. Uh, They also had a bunch of musical instruments and a piano, if you're into that. We stayed up late trying to figure out a plan. At this point, there was a 100% chance of pouring rain the entire next day. Hurricane Ida had arrived, or at least what was left of the hurricane. The news even told us there would be flash flooding and torrential rain all day. Awesome. So day four, the plan was supposed to be Frostburg to Pawpaw, which would have been 44 miles. And day four, the weather predictors were correct. It was pouring. Instead of our original plan, we decided to ride from Frostburg to Cumberland, where the gap ends, and then figure out what to do. That was going to be about 17 miles. At the first tunnel, we stopped uh, to both save a turtle and to get out of the rain for a bit. From there, we ran into a huge tree that was down and completely covered the trail as well as the railroad tracks next to the trail. It took considerable effort to get the bikes over and through this tree, and it was pouring down rain. And the rain did not let up, and at this point, there was even standing water on most of the trail. At least the water was warm, So it wasn't really that bad. And since we'd been wet all day, everyone was kind of used to it at this point. Around lunchtime, we made it to Cumberland. There is a cool pedestrian mall called Canal Place where we found the Mile Marker Zero Medallion. This is where the Gap meets the C&O Canal Towpath, also known as the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal Towpath. There's a bike shop right there, as well as a restaurant called the Krabby Pig, where we took up residence for many, many hours. Most of us changed into dry clothes, and since they were not that busy, we ended up draping wet clothes everywhere. And as the torrential rain continued, we worked on a plan. A quick interruption to give a shout out to Primal Wear. Cycling is their passion and apparel is their craft. So if you're in the market for a new jersey, bibs, mask, or any cycling apparel, go to primalwear.com and use code PRIMALMURF to get 20% off your purchase. Yes, 20% off. Now back to the show. At this point, the Weather Prediction Center predicted our planned route to be at high risk for I'll put this in quote, excessive rainfall and rapid onset flooding, unquote. Great. So we ate our weight in seafood and waited and waited some more. I think the rain let up at about four o'clock and half of our group, myself included, wanted to go a few miles down the CNO towpath to just see what it looked like. Unlike the Gap Trail, the CNO is mostly dirt and rocks, so you can imagine what it's like when wet. So with a light but very warm rain, we set off. About a mile into the trail, it was a mix of single track and double track, and almost all of it had standing water, but it was still rideable. It got to a point where the water was several inches deep, and we were all thankful to be wearing sandals at this point. 
I thought it was a pretty fun ride because at this point in the day, we had been in the rain all day, and I felt a bit like a kid riding through the puddles. A few more miles, and we could see just how swollen the north branch of the Potomac River was on our right side, and now the creek on the left side was getting pretty high as well. We assumed further down the trail, the two bodies of water were probably going to put the trail completely underwater. Totally unsafe, and it was time to turn around. In the end, we did about 10 miles of the CNO, and at some point on the return ride, my rear hydraulic brake completely failed. Not sure if it was from riding through the water or maybe that epic steep downhill out of Frostburg or what, but I had nothing. Luckily, we were on a flat trail and I made it fine to the hotel with plans to go to the bike shop the next morning. So to wrap up day four, total miles for the day was only 27.3 miles. Uh, We averaged 11.9 miles per hour and 62 feet of elevation gain. Okay, day five was supposed to be pawpaw to Williamsport, but as you know, we were in Cumberland. So that next morning, I went to the Cumberland bike shop where the service guy told me my brake pads were shot. He replaced them but did not have time to bleed the line. So he said they would work if I squeezed the brake lever harder than normal and they might squeak a bit when I use them. I said thank you, I was back in action, or so I thought. And since the trail was flooded, here's where we had to move to plan B. Instead of continuing on the CNO towpath as planned, we loaded up the bikes into a couple of trucks and caught a ride all the way to Washington, D.C. so we could ride the CNO towpath backwards from there. We arrived in D.C., unloaded the bikes, and this is when I realized my back brakes were more than squeaking. They made a horrendous noise that annoyed everyone. And the brakes worked, but took considerable effort to get the bike to stop. Awesome. So off I went to find a bike shop in downtown DC. I was in luck and found the Trek bicycle shop where the coolest guy stopped what he was doing to help me. He also did not have time to bleed the line, but he did have time to get rid of the squeak and give me a lot more braking power and a lot more confidence that my bike was not going to fail on me. I was so thankful and And of course, everyone riding with me was as well. So once my bike was ready, first stop was to find the mile zero stone. So the mile zero marker represents the start or end of the CNO Canal and is located in the Georgetown neighborhood of Washington, D.C. This stone mile post marks the spot where the canal splits from the Potomac River. This mile marker on the bank of the Potomac, just beyond the Thompson Boat Center, It's not in plain sight, so you may have to ask to find a local how to find it. It's a little bit confusing, but once you find it, pretty good photo op. So this day we ended up doing 30.58 miles with an average speed of 10.7 miles per hour, 266 feet of elevation gain, and this day we basically followed the upper Potomac River. This trail is rich with history, so much to see. So as you know, the CNO towpath, or maybe you don't know, it's a trail that follows the old towpath and is complete with over 70 locks, many aqueducts, and hundreds of culverts. It is also made up mostly of dirt and rocks, and there were a few washouts to maneuver around. I was definitely thankful to have those bigger tires. A little side note about both the Gap and CNO. 
The Great Allegheny Passage is owned by a mix of public and nonprofit entities, and it made its start back in 1978 when the Western Pennsylvania Conservancy handed the deed for 27 miles of the Western Maryland Railway's abandoned corridor to the Pennsylvania Bureau of State Parks. And the first section of what would become the Great Allegheny Passage was laid down between Ohio Pile and Confluence. Over the next 35 years, volunteers in nearby small towns began constructing similar segments of trail for neighbors to enjoy, and it was considered complete in 2013. I guess while we're talking history, how about a bit of history on the CNO towpath? Starting in the heart of Washington, D.C., the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal towpath, also called the CNO, is a 185-mile journey all the way to Cumberland, where it meets the Great Allegheny Passage. While the CNO Canal was originally conceived as a transportation system from D.C. to Pittsburgh through the Ohio River Valley, it stands today as one of America's most amazing national parks as a scenic, car-free walking and bicycle towpath. The canal was originally used mostly to move coal from the Allegheny Mountains in boats, and mules pulled these boats through the waters. The paths the mules used are what we ride on today. Use of the canal stopped in 1924, but the locks and many of the cabins people stayed in still exist today. And there's even some restored boats in the canals. It is now considered a national historic park. So we rode the CNO towpath all the way to Great Falls, where we turned around. And this was a beautiful place. Tons of photo opportunities, raging water, um, in addition to the fact that the Potomac was flooded. And actually, there were photo ops everywhere on that trail. So if you're going to do it, take your time. Don't rush through it. So eventually we made it back to D.C. and made a quick beer stop at the Berliner, which was right on the trail and had a huge outdoor seating area and good beer as well. So the next day was day six, and the original plan was supposed to be Williamsburg to Brunswick, but obviously that didn't happen. So we woke up in D.C., and this day we decided not to ride the CNO, but instead we rode what's called the Washington and Old Dominion Trail, which followed Four Mile Run River most of the time. The first stop was to Gravelly Point Park, which is a popular park right on the trail where people go to sit and watch planes take off and land from Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport. Planes were taking off every couple of minutes. It was really cool. So this trail that we chose is a paved trail that took us from Washington, D.C. all the way to Sterling. Uh, we did have a stop for lunch at the Caboose Brewing and Tavern in Vienna, Maryland. This place is also right on the trail, and I would highly recommend stopping by. If you do, look for the morphology sticker somewhere at the bar. Uh, later that afternoon, we stopped at Aslan Beer Company in Herndon, Virginia, and eventually we made it to our hotel. This day, we ended up doing 33.81 miles and 10.9 miles per hour and about 1,161 feet of elevation gain. Okay, so the last day was the same route back to D.C. from Sterling on the Washington and Old Dominion Trail. Uh, we did go through Vienna again and found a cool mural on the side of the building and also a huge sculpture of letters that spelled love. 
we didn't dink around too much because we wanted to get back to D.C. to see all of the touristy things. And what a great feeling to pedal our bikes to the National Mall. Such a cool experience. So that day we pedaled 29.43 miles, average speed 11.1, 900 feet of elevation gain. And we ended our journey with a stay at Ark, the hotel in D.C., just down the street from Watergate. So we got to go see that as well. The next day, woke up, loaded up the vehicles, and headed home. So there you have it. I would highly recommend you ride The Gap, the Great Allegheny Passage, at some point. The trail is great and the scenery is spectacular. Since I didn't get to do the whole c I'll leave that on my list of rides to complete. I will be back to give it another try. Overall, I felt like I picked the correct bike to ride, I packed the right amount of stuff, and was thankful I brought a rain jacket along with sandals to wear in the rain. A couple of very very minor changes I would make would be to pack a better variety of snacks and I would not bring biking shoes because once those babies were wet, I am not a fan of stinky wet shoes. I own bike sandals with cleats on the bottom and I regretted not bringing them. I will for sure bring them next time. Anyway, it was such a great experience with some of the greatest people I know. Jeff, John, Will, Eric, Molly, Cassie, and Nick. Thank you for making this such a memorable adventure. Wrenchy, you too. Please email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology. Visit my Instagram page for daily entertainment and check out my website for all kinds of bicycle stuff. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote comes from Martin Luther King Jr. We are not makers of history. We are made by history. Think about it.